As a homeowner, I can't help myself. I'm always thinking about fixing this and changing that. For the money, for the beauty, for the knowledge and the peace of mind. It's about time for the Love My Renovation Project with Mike Young.
where this comes into play a lot, I, I did one not too long ago. They had an independent bid at 168000 Well, they gave it to me, and I took it, most of it from the, for the scope of work. But I didn't look at their prices so much except the bottom price. I looked at how much they're charging, and I realized we're building 170 uh, square feet uh, room addition. And when I plugged that, dollars divided by the square feet and came up with $692 a square foot for a room addition in a house where the or in an area where the houses are selling for $180 a square foot. Right away, something didn't feel right. So I finished my bid. I could not, giving it, pushing it every which way I could, I couldn't get over 100000 So we sent it out to another contractor. They came in at $88,000, $88,000, half, half of it, what it was. I did another project where I bid, in four days, I bid $159,000 on a project. The borrower said, hey, don't even worry about it. I got a contractor. He's going to be the guy. So four and a half weeks later, their contractor came in at $298,000. 298 versus 159. We sent it out to bid to another contractor just for the fun of it, and they come in at 161,000, just 2,000 over my bid. She was shocked. The lady was shocked. But she was 24 years old, buying her first house, and it was a renovation project. And she had just oogled over this uh, contractor and his work when she saw his work. This is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. Uh, you are going to be it. And effectively, she was falling over him too much and, and realized that he realized that I got this job. It doesn't matter what the price is. At least that's what she conveyed to him. So she did the job with a contractor for $161,000. Not the two ninety eight. What people don't realize is the consultant, if doing his job properly or her job properly, is going to save many times their fee. Many times their fee. That's why we tell our clients, you know, just do it the way it's supposed to be done, and you will reap the biggest benefits. Now, if you want to go out and get two or three contractor bids first, um, the lenders sometimes tell you to do that. Because they, for some reason, think that the clock is not ticking on them until the consultant is called. Then the clock starts ticking on the, on the lender. How long does it take you to close a 203K? Oh, well, I close a 203K in 15 days. Oh, you do? Wow. How do you do that? Well, I have everybody else run downfield and do all their parts. And when all that's done, we call the consultant in. And we push him to get his job done in two weeks. Interesting. But no cigar. The consultant has to do their due diligence regardless of when you get them in the game. But in fact, they should be the first people you call on a 203K project. The very first people that are called out on the job to help you put that scope of work together. Just because you have a contractor bid and they contractor gets out there and says, well, I think you need this and I think you need that. Uh, you want a kitchen updated? You want a bathroom updated? Uh, what about the roof? Do you want it updated? 
Well, I don't know. Does it need it? Well, I don't know. Do you want an update or not? The consultant's going to get out there and look at that roof and say, hey, man, this thing does not have two years remaining economic life. So they're going to say it has to be replaced. The consultant is going to make those tough decisions. Uh, uh, the difference between a home inspection and a consultation is the home inspector is going to suggest you have a roofer come out, a licensed roofer come out, and give you a bid. Now, if they're in Texas and they say they're going to have a licensed contractor come out, contractors aren't licensed in Texas. That's always baffled me. You have to license a home inspector, but you don't license a general contractor. Wow. So anyway, uh, there's been a lot of talk. I want to get into that right now. I might as well get started on it anyway. A lot of talk this last week on the Internet about uh, consultants and draw inspections. And I've been listening to them, and <laughs> I'm wondering if any of them have ever read the instructions that they provide to the lender or should be providing to the lender. It's page three of your draw request form, and we're going to get into it. But they were talking about, well, who fills it out? Do you fill it out before you go out there, or do you send it out to them to get filled out before you go out there? Um, read the instructions, guys and girls. The consultant or plan reviewer meets with the borrower and contractor, if there is one, at the site. Um, there's general ins instructions on the back of the draw paperwork for the entire process. Uh, borrowers doing their own work. That's not going to happen these days unless the borrower is a uh, licensed contractor or at least a contractor in the state that he's working in. Most lenders don't want to see that happen because a contractor is going to walk away from his own job anytime he gets a job that pays him more money or pays him anything, actually. So what they're going to do is... Uh, the lender sends exhibits and copy of the draw request form uh, to the appraiser. The appraiser doesn't need to see the draw request form. He really doesn't. He needs to see the recap. But the guideline says he'll see the draw request form. Uh, appraisers are instructed not to add additional work items to the list. However, if, if the consultant has missed something, the, the appraiser has to call it out to be added to the scope. Okay. I give my appraisers the scope of work. That way they can see the detail of everything that's going to be done and not just a list saying roof, $2,000, uh, patio or exteriors, $2,000. It doesn't say it's a patio or a deck or whatever it might be. So the appraiser's much better off getting a copy of the entire scope along with the abbreviated recap of the subtotal or allowable fees, if you will. If any of the construction work items were completed prior to closing the loan, an inspection of that work can occur the day after it closes, and a draw submitted. I'm here. I keep turning too far and dropping the mic off on the floor. Anyway, so... If there's any construction work completed beforehand, you can do a draw the next day. That would be a mistake. Most lenders take two weeks to get the paperwork over to their draw department and get the draw department set up on that loan. So you can turn a draw in the day after it closes 
you're not going to see money for two or three weeks. So you might as well continue working for two more weeks and then do a draw and get paid in a few days. Uh, we're going to get into that in a little while, too, about how long it takes a lender to pay out um, according to the guideline. And we're going to read that right out of the guideline a little bit. It is 48 hours. They have 48 hours to get that check out. Uh, how many of us seen that? I saw Bank of America at one time getting backed up six and eight weeks to get that check out. Wells Fargo, six weeks. Uh, today, most everybody gets it out within five days. The guideline says we're supposed to have it out in 48 hours. So, anyway, if you want to be part of the show today, you got questions, call us at 888-627-6008. And we'll be right back after this short break. Stay tuned. We've been looking for a home in a great neighborhood, but they're all too small. Then we heard about the FHA 203K loan program, where we can add a room or two when we purchase and get a single loan to cover both the purchase and the room addition. What a great idea! A great idea. I love those great ideas. Keep them coming. Anyway, I got a kick out of the instructions because if any construction work was done uh, prior to closing the loan, now how in the world can you start working on someone else's house? Uh, we recommend you don't start. I mean, if it's a refinance, that's one thing. Um, but this, we had one not too long ago that uh, it wasn't mine. Uh, I would have given better instructions, I think, but it was a relatively new consultant. The borrower was doing his own house. He was adding a concrete driveway right out in plain view in the front yard, a concrete driveway. So as soon as the appraiser left, he immediately started having the concrete guy dig up the roads and, and put in the steel and pour the concrete. Well, the day it closes, Maybe an hour or so before the papers are to be signed, your county manager usually drives by from the title company, and he sees all this work going on. He says, what are you guys doing? He says, oh, we've got a 203K loan, and we're putting it in this driveway. He says, you're not going to have it insured. And he went back and stopped the deal. Now the homeowner is mortified. He's upset. He's, huh, how come? It's all there. It's all in the scope of work. Well, we can't give you title insurance. That's when they called me, and I told them, you know, just do an indemnification clause for that work that's done prior to the close of escrow. Uh, you have to indemnify them, and, and they were able to get it closed as far as I heard. So the uh, borrower and contractor completes column two, previous draw totals. No, they don't. You know, this this is in the actual instructions on the HUD guideline. It says, the co you know, when they do work before it closes, they're supposed to fill out column two. Well, if they do that, they're not ever going to get paid. They fill out column three. Okay. So the borrower contractor completes column three, request for this draw, 
with the actual cost of rehab, which includes materials, labor, overhead, profit. Uh, materials cannot be paid for until they have been accept acceptably installed. So even though the instructions are on a HUD form and says they just fill out column two, that's false. It is false because nothing has been paid for yet. You fill out column three if you want to get paid for, then those numbers on the next row will move over automatically to uh, column two. Let's see. The inspector will complete column four for each line item that needs to be adjusted. So the borrower says, I want 100% of the driveway. And we've got $10,000 there. This is a big driveway. I want 100% of it. And the consultant looks and he says, well, they're only half through pouring it. You don't have it. Uh, it's not smoothed out yet. The, uh, it's just not there. You know, you only got half the concrete in the ground. So in column four, he puts his corrected amount. He might give them 50% of it or 40 or 30 or 80. I don't know. Depends on that consultant's view of what he's about to pay. Um, if there's no adjustments, then he just leaves, leaves column four blank. In no case can the inspector approve a release of funds in excess of the amount requested by the borrower in column three. So here you go. You've got a, let's say you've got an allotment for the finished driveway at $10,000. And the borrower is asking for $8,000 or 80%. You can't go out there then and say, well, it's finished. i got to give him 100% because HUD says if they only request 80%, that's the maximum you can pay them. That's the maximum you can pay them. So don't pay them any more than that. Uh, I'd still be within the guideline. So you also can't pay them any more than what's in column one. Column one is the total allotment on your draw request for that line item. In this case that we're discussing, we got a $10,000 maximum payout. So if they go over to column three and say, well, I want $12,000, we had an overrun. I'm sorry, you can't get paid more than 10 because that's all that was allotted. To get two more, you're going to have to do a change order and take it out of the contingency reserve. The DE underwriter or their draw specialist can reduce the draw based on the pictures they see, too. If they don't see it, they second-guess you, and, and that's fine. That's the way the process was designed for them to second-guess the consultant. Most of them won't do that. They, at most, they will call you and ask you a question. But if you're paying 100% and the pictures show clearly that only 80% of the concrete's on the ground, they haven't worked it yet, then you're, you're going to get in trouble. HUD says if you get, if you pay for things that you know aren't done, then you will lose your ability to be a consultant. There is no recourse. There is no program to go back and defend your case or why you did it. It's just not allowed. But let's look at an example that HUD gives. If column one for drywall is ex estimated for completion at $1,500, and the work is 50% complete, 
but a signed contract for $1,200, then the request for this draw in column three cannot exceed $600. Interesting. We don't usually see the contractor's bid. So how are we going to know? The only reason you're going to know is because if this is a self-help deal, which are very, very few and far between, and they have a contractor's bid at 1200 and it's 50% done, you can only give them 600 Even though your bid on the paperwork says 1500 and you would like to give them 750 well, That's why it's not good to have two bids floating out there. You have another example on the back of your instruction sheet for the drawing question, uh, draw request. If column one for drywall is estimated at 1500 and a, the work is 50% done, but the signed contract is for 1800 then the request for this draw cannot exceed 750 So even though they have a signed contract at 1800 then this draw cannot be authorized for more than 750 which is 50% of your line item. So it's going to be whichever is less. Either if the contractor's price is 1200 or less than the consultant's price, you're going to give them 50% of that. If the contractor's bid is higher than the consultant's price, you're going to give 50% of the lower amount, which is the consultant's bid. It gets a little confusing, but it's really not. Because self-help is not a big issue. So the borrower and the contractor must sign the certification on the draw request form. If a dispute exists, the lender must try to mediate that dispute to assure there's no mechanics or material liens placed on the property. The lender may make checks out to both the contractor and the borrower. Now, the big question on the internet was, who fills out the draw request? Do you fill it out or does the contractor fill it out? I have my contractor fill it out. It's their request. They are requesting money. So they are to fill out column three. Once they have column three filled out, they sign. That is only, that's the only way I'll do a draw is if they sign saying, this is what we want. Now, if the contractor is not present, and the borrower is, the borrower can request and fill out column three. When I get to the job, if they have the paperwork filled out, the draw goes very, very fast. I can get right into inspecting. If it's not filled out, then I hand them the, I hand them the draw paperwork and a, my clipboard, fill out column three while I go take pictures. And I go start taking pictures. I. They are to fill that form out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's their request. It's not my request for a draw. I'm not requesting anything. If they want me to fill it out blank, sign it here, sign it here. You don't have anything in there. Uh, well, no, I want something. And I said, well, then fill out column three. And I give them the, the detail of the specification of repair so they can actually go down there and circle each item they're trying to get paid for. Okay. 
Under no circumstances can any construction item be paid for without the work being acceptably installed. Materials on site cannot be included in a draw request. Upon completion, the inspector signs the draw request form and the rehabilitation inspection report and returns this to the lender. The cost of the inspection should also be completed. HUD did the draw request form very, very well. There's two places on page two of a draw request for a consultant to sign the paperwork. The upper portion is for the draw itself. The second portion down at the bottom of page two is your invoice. So you have to have the amount they owe you written in the particular block. And yet there are still some lenders that, well, I can't pay you till I get your invoice. And they're asking for a separate invoice, creating yet another piece of paper and the time wasted to get it. Um, we don't do that for free. We'll throw on another $25 to create an invoice special for you because you're too lame to copy that second page or use that second page as an invoice, which it is. I've had to write in that box just above that signature, this page at the bottom half of this page is your invoice. Please pay for it now. And still some lenders come back and, and ask us, to, can you give us a separate invoice? So I just take the paper, copy it, cut that off, write invoice in there in big letters, and send it to them. They've already got it. They're being jerks when they can't use the HUD-designed invoice which saves the consultant time. You know, when we started out in this business, uh, we got precious little money. And then one day I realized that from Hercules to San Francisco, it took 20 minutes. I could get there in 20 minutes, do a draw, be back in my office in 20 minutes. Um, and all of a sudden it was taking two hours to get from San Francisco or Hercules to San Francisco and back, two hours because the traffic patterns had gotten so bad, they had the roads dug up for two and a half years when they tried to make the HOV lane, thinking we all thought, oh my God, this is gonna be great with an extra lane. No, because they made it an HOV lane. Uh, nobody can use it. And then it's 24 hour, 24 seven. Uh, they also said three people in a car. If you wanna get in that lane, you gotta have three people in the car. Well, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't take two people with me all the time to do a draw request. Anyway, call us at 888-627. Enter in the How about 6008? Let's try that again. Call 888-627-6008. Toll free. Be part of the show. And join in the conversation. Tell us about uh, your experience with a draw. Uh, but hang in there. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. We found the perfect house, but there's been no updating it for many years. Then we heard about the FHA 203K, where we can buy that home and get the money to fix it up all in one low interest rate loan. What? A great idea.
welcome back. Call us at 888-627-6008 and be part of the show. Uh, I know I wanted to uh, see get back here. So borrow and contractor fill out call, borrow or contractor fill out column three, and then one of them has to sign it before. If they're both present, I have the contractor sign it. It's his request. Um, but this is an important one here. And in, I don't know a lender that is actually responsive to this at all in a positive manner. But whoever the draw department is, um, escrow account must provide an accounting for the escrow on the draws, showing the status of all monies in that escrow account. After the acceptable receipt of all necessary documentation, the escrow releases 10 per, less 10% holdback should occur within 48 hours. That's the guideline, people. If you're a lender listening today and a consultant turns that paperwork into you and it's complete, as it is 90% of the time, maybe 95%, you have two days to get that check out. You don't have a week. You don't have a month. Um, then you've got people, third parties, that have entered into this thing recently. I know one lender that uses a, a well, there's several of them out there, but Land Gorilla, they get the thing. If they, that means they have to process that thing today and get it over to the lender so the lender can cut the check because they're not not—they're just giving it to, to eyeball it for some reason. That's what they have a consultant for. In any case, um, I had a lot of questions come up after the show we did a few weeks ago when we talked about feasibility analysis. So I'm going to go over that again by popular demand. When do you do a feasibility analysis? There is a question in many lenders or loan officers' brains that they are getting a work write-up or scope of work confused with a feasibility, and they call us up and they say, I need a feasibility. And when they don't want a feasibility at all, they want a work write-up slash scope of work figured out, fully priced, bid, everything, ready to go. Lenders can actually close a loan based on the consultant's bid if they feel they're reliable. So any lender with any moxie is using con contractor bids ought to be looking at the contractor bid on every 203K and the consultant's bid and seeing that bottom line. I don't care if every line item matches. Is the bottom line and matches on both or is close enough that you can actually start closing your loans much, much faster with a consultant's bid. And get your paperwork done, turn everything in. But the five, a feasibility analysis is if it can be used by a buyer or a seller. Might be used by both. But if a buyer is about to place an offer on a property that requires repairs, they must have a clear idea of what those repairs are going to cost or their, buy, or their um, bid is going to be off too high or too low. So if you don't know how much the repairs are and you want to know, then a feasibility would be in order. Otherwise, you've got this thing, you're going to go full war. Go for the 203K full consultation, get a full SOR with a bid, 
And if it looks like it's a little higher than you thought, then go back and you've got something in your hand. Either way, you've got something in your hand in writing that um, shows your position. But if you're buying a house, the seller is not responsible for updating your kitchen and your bath and so forth. They're only a, they are responsible, however, for minimum property standards, health and safety, longevity. So if they've got a $25,000 termite report uh, or pest report that needs to be cured, that's on them. That comes right off their asking price. Okay. Uh, so if they've just let this place run down and down and down, that's where that comes in. They need to bring it up to minimum property standards on paper. And those repairs go on the off the sales price or the purchase price. Okay. On the other hand, the borrower may also want to know the cost of additional repairs, such as updated kitchens and baths and new windows throughout, and maybe a new roof, even though that one looks like it might have four or five years. They might want to go ahead and take this opportunity to put a new roof because they're thinking about solar, and solar panels won't be added. Even leased ones won't be added on a old roof, you'll need a new roof because they don't want to come back out there and have to take it down while you put a new roof on it in two or three or five years. Um, let's get back to uh, realtors. Sell every home you show using a renovation loan. Your, your prospective borrower comes in and says, look, I'd like to buy a house. I definitely want to go my kids to go to this particular school, so I want to be sure it's in that zone, um, in that neighborhood, so they can do that. Um, can you do you have any houses that want four bedrooms, two baths? So you you got to you put it together, and there's no four bedrooms, two baths, but there's an overabundance of three bedrooms, two baths. So what do you do? You take them out and you show them. You say, now I know that this doesn't quite meet your criteria yet, but if you would just bear with me, let's go through this home and make a list of any and all the items that you would change on this house to make it your dream house. And we know you're going to add, you want to add at least a bedroom. Um, they start thinking, and I say, well, yeah, all right, let's do that. And you walk through there and I say, well, oh, I don't like this kitchen at all. Let's remodel the kitchen. Uh, bathrooms here look pretty good. We'll leave those alone. Oh, oh! I just noticed we had a carport and no garage, so I definitely got to have a garage. And that list that you create at some point is becomes your scope of work for a renovation loan. So we're going to maybe we're going to replace the roof, add a garage, uh, and modernize the home, update the kitchen, put some new doors and windows. You can do all that with a renovation loan and make this home fit exactly what they're looking for. Now, isn't it odd there was no four-bedroom, two-bath? Maybe they were all used up. So now you're going to make another four-bedroom, two-bath in that house, maybe a four-bedroom, three-bath. Put in a brand-new master suite, and they're living in a brand-new master bedroom. So you can change the aesthetic appeal. You know, you pull up in front of this house, and it just looks like crap. Uh, we used to go around the neighborhood uh, and take pictures of the same model house 
throughout the neighborhood that had a nice new front porch on it or something like that and then put that in a folder and, and show the people, could you see yourself living in this house? And it was a drawing. The sketch, we used to get it for $50. Now they're about 95 or 100 bucks, but still low price to move a house and get your commission today. So what happens is you show them what they want the way they want it, and then make that house fit that drawing. Uh, you might not have some shrubbery in the front yard. Maybe it's missing a tree. Uh, in your sketch, it shows the tree. And when they say, yeah, that looks great, and those trees look wonderful. That big bush up there. A little hydrangea right by the front porch. So all these things are possible. You cannot plant annuals plants that die off every year, but you can plant perennials um, as erosion control, okay? So some lenders are going to say, well, this looks like planting. You can't do landscaping. Well, yes, you can do landscaping. You just have to point them in the right direction for the, uh, the guideline. It says you can plant for erosion control and draw it up that way. Any of these things and more can be done with a renovation loan. You can add a pool if you want to, but not with a 203K. That would be a home style. Um, so let's see. The contract, the clients rather get everything they want, and some of it's brand new home. How cool is that? It's uh, particularly effective with when inventories are low. You could take a 600. I had a uh, house in Danville that people bought for six. Excuse me, they bought a 600-square-foot house. They cut it in half. They kept a little master suite and built a 4,000-square-foot well, house adjacent to it. And they did it with a 203K loan. Well, and that's something. So they ended up with a beautiful, massive house. Curved staircases, tile everywhere. Quite common in the Hispanic community. Anyway, speaking of that, we have a 203K pamphlet in Spanish. So if you've got a lot of Hispanic clients and you want to give them reading material in Spanish, you can go to one of our websites. Go to 203konline.com. Scroll down to the handy PDFs. I think the third one is a uh, 203K pamphlet in Spanish. Okay, so you, you just have to explain to them that the portion about the investor portion is no longer active. I don't think HUD redid that form in a long time with that pamphlet. So they haven't taken that out yet. To my knowledge, uh, they don't even offer that pamphlet anymore because they took that out and they haven't had a chance to reprint it. I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, this is directed at commercial properties, sellers. You're a realtor or, hey, if you're a buyer and you're looking for a, a new uh, a new property for your store, did you know that you can buy a commercial property, residential upstairs, commercial downstairs, and get it for 3.5% down? 3.5% down, and it's still low interest. 
two to thirty-five percent downs, you're opening a store. That makes a big difference in your potential money you still got on the ground for um, material merchandise. So stop telling everyone to stay away from the FHA 203K. That's ridiculous. It can help you make a fortune. Stop saying it takes forever to close one. It doesn't. Uh, I had a brand new lender doing her very first 203K. She said, I've never done one of these. What do I do? I said, race me to the finish line. How fast can you close a 203B, which is the standard FHA loan? A K is exactly the same as a B, except it has a construction component. Well, she said the 30 days, she closed her first full 203K in 28 days. I had another lender that said I could close 203Bs in 15 to 21 days. She closed her very first full 203K in 21 days. There's no reason not to. If you've got a consultant, let them do their job. They put the scope together and give you a bid closed alone. That's how easy it is. And these lenders make it so difficult. Rely heavily on that consultant. Stop treating him like he doesn't know what he's doing or she. And uh, start realizing they do know what they're doing. In most cases, they know what they're doing. So give them a chance to perform. Let the team function. <laughs> so, whoops. Uh-oh. I got a six-pound dog. She had been resting in my lap. I don't usually bring her to the studio, but she is today. In any case, if you want to be part of the show today, call us at 888-627-6008. Toll free. We're going to be right back for our final break of the day. So stay tuned. We've been looking for a home in a great neighborhood, but they're all too small. Then we heard about the FHA 203K loan program, where we can add a room or two when we purchase and get a single loan to cover both the purchase and the room addition. What a great idea. That is a great idea. I appreciate it. Welcome back. Call 888-627-6008 to be part of our show. We are back live. Hey, I did a job not too long ago, and they had this ugly pine tree sitting in the front yard, but it had a lot of potential. Uh, one of my hobbies is bonsai trees. Uh, that just means small potted trees. I don't try to make something exotic out of bonsai. A lot of people say bonsai, but uh, it's bonsai. In any case, um, I looked at that tree and I, I told the guy, I said, you know, well, we're all done here. If you would like, I'll be happy to come out and take that tree and, and create it like a specimen tree and see if we can give it some character. It's got a lot of potential. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I'd go do a draw, we'd talk about it. And then we did the final draw, and I said, tell me when you want to do that. I said, I'm not charging anything. I'm doing that for free. And he says, oh, my wife kind of likes it the way it is. <laughs> I said, okay. Oh, 
anyway, two hundred three k is another. It's got another nuance that realtors you should absolutely keep in the back of your mind. It's it's an appraisal advantage. Let's say you're doing a conventional loan. It's not a government. You know, it's a government loan. Maybe it's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You're doing this loan and you're putting it together, and all of a sudden the appraisal comes in, and the appraisal is 10% low or 5% low, but whatever it is, it's low. Your options are, and the first thing you think of is go back to the seller and ask them for a concession. And, you know, we're $26,000 off here. Can you come down 26000 because it appears, based on the appraisal, that you're asking too much? And they say, well, no, I got six backup offers. Oh, okay. Well, if you flip that over to a FHA purchase with a 203K, now the first thing you think of is there's nothing to fix. This thing else is, is pristine. Find some little thing to fix. Do a limited 203K and gain a 10% advantage on your appraisal. Now, they'll use that appraisal maybe for the, uh, well, no, it's done, since there's no work, it, that can be your as-is appraisal. So they're just going to do an after-improved appraisal, and now they can throw in some little thing. Fix the broken window in the back of the house in the laundry room. Huh? <laughs> I did not say that. You need to break it. I did not say that. Anyway, uh, but you can do any minor repairs. And, and do it as a 203K, a limited 203K. In doing so, you're going to gain a 10% cushion on your appraised value. So now if it comes in 26000 or 30000 less, you've got a 10% bump in whatever it did come in at. And um, you're in good shape. You're ready to go. So if it was a limited... I mean, if it was already a 203K, then again, all you have to do is flip it, or 203B rather, just change it to a limited 203K, and you can do the same thing. So conventional, you'd have to shift to FHA. Usually, if a person qualifies conventionally with 20% down, they're not going to have any trouble qualifying with a FHA loan. So, let's see. Last time, we were talking about Oh, Good Neighbor Next Door programs. We finished up with a very teaser there about the Good Neighbor Next Door programs. They got Teacher Next Door and uh, Officer Next Door programs. I find it very rewarding. I, I did a nice job up in, uh, it was in Sacramento. The guy actually worked in Union City and he moved out to Sacramento, picked up a house off of a HUD foreclosure list at 50% discount. So I think it was listed at about 350. So for he got it for 175 and then he did a 203k and he fixed the house the way he wanted to. He still bought it below market. Isn't that cool? Uh frankly, I think it's the coolest thing around to reward our the officers that risk their lives every day for us and teachers out there kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, but the officers include firemen, EMT. Uh, we've done it for prison guards and got them qualified. 
on one teacher next door, and that shocks me because the, the savings alone is worth worth going this way. At least look at their foreclosures. Get on their HUD website, HUD foreclosure. Be sure it's a HUD site. There's some people have uh, copied. Uh, I don't know if it's fraud or whatever, but fraudulently using um, some of the other acronyms. But HUD.gov foreclosed homes. And, and see what you can come up with. Make sure it says HUD.gov somewhere in that URL. What you're going to find, some of these people have, have got HUD foreclosures, and they make it .org, so you really get confused, and then they want you to sign up and pay a fee to look at the houses. Well, on a real HUD site, uh, you're going to see VA and FHA homes, uh, and you're not going to get charged to get in there and look at them. We'll tell the realtors that are used to buying HUD homes, they know that you have to put build your, on, on a house you're gonna get a 50% discount, you have to build your offer such a way that they can get their uh, commission because HUD does not pay a commission after de deducting 50% of the purchase price. Okay, so how does the program work? Uh, eligible single-family homes located in revitalization areas are listed exclusively for sale through the Good Neighbor Next Door sales program. Properties are available for purchase through the program for seven days. So if you're looking, you're gonna, you need to look every seven days. If you see the one you want, you need to jump on it. When you make an offer, let's say the house is listed at 300000 your offer is going to be $300,010 or $300,020, something that you can readily pull out of your pocket and pay. Do not think you're going to get 50% off and then offer $400,000 because anything over the list price, you have to pay in cash up front. So make sure that you're you can offer full price, but there's probably going to be 10 people doing that. So bump it up $99. Bump it up $20. Bump it up a dollar. $300,001. So, but anyway, you're going to check the listings in your state. You know, in the county you're looking for and so forth. Follow the instructions to submit your interest in purchasing a specific home. If more than one person submits an offer on a single home in uh, selection, they'll be made by random lottery. You must meet the requirements of a law enforcement officer, teacher, firefighter, or emergency medical technician to comply with the regulations. HUD requires that you sign a second mortgage and note for the discount amount. So. That means you're going to have a second note for 175,000. So, and that one disappears. It's called a silent second. It disappears automatically after three-year occupancy. So you do have a you're going to live there three years, and that stabilizes that helps stabilize the neighborhood. 
uh, number of properties available is uh, the number of properties available is limited, and the list of available properties changes weekly. So you really need to keep an eye on that if you're going to go for it. But it's well worth the savings, and you don't want to move more than every three years anyway. And you may not, and you don't have to move at that point. You can stay there. So I was on the HUD website, and I grabbed some of the frequently asked questions. Um, just to look at them, and I, I think see we're running out of time. We might take a couple of them, but um, one of these, let me find it here. Uh, what is the occupancy period? We just saw about that. Okay, so we've got. Um, you have to have um, three years of occupancy, and they're going to check. They could knock on your door. That's got to be your principal residence. Can't be a rental. Uh, anyway, I see that uh, Doug is waving at me, so I'm going to pull it in here. Let's get back to thank you today for being with us. We appreciate it. This broadcast is coming from our Las Vegas, Nevada office. Um, it's every Sunday between 1 and 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We look forward to seeing you next time. I think we might have a guest speaker next time, and it's uh, it'll be a friend of ours. I believe they're in Mississippi or Missouri. Um, and it might be the guy that we had a couple of weeks ago from New Jersey. In any case, we, we will have a, a live person on here with me next week talking about some of their experiences with the 203K. So please bring your questions and plan on calling us next week when we get back here. God bless you. Tune in every Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time to BBS Radio Station 1 and learn more about making home renovations possible, profitable, and hassle-free. Isn't it time you learned how to make money doing something you loved? Visit 203konline.com now and let's get your home makeover projects done right. <laughs>